Welcome to Behind the Investigation, presented by HBO and Fremantle. A podcast about the genre-defining new crime drama written and directed by Oscar-nominated Danish screenwriter and film director, Tobias Lindholm. The Investigation is a police show like no other. It's a drama that tells the previously untold story of the people who worked to solve the 2017 murder of Swedish journalist Kim Wahl. This six-part podcast will take you behind the scenes of the limited series. You'll hear from some exceptional guests who'll tell you how and why the show was made. As you watch episodes of the series on HBO Max, be sure to come back to the podcast each week and join us as we go behind the investigation. As for me, I'm your host, Anna Codorado. I'm a journalist and a podcaster, and I was a friend of Kim's. So this podcast, I get the real honour and privilege of telling you all about Kim who was a beloved friend, an extraordinary journalist, and is terribly missed by everyone who knew and loved her. A quick warning before we go on that this show does talk about a violent crime, which some listeners may find distressing. I also wanted to note that while the investigation is based on real-life events, there are some spoilers for the TV show in this podcast. Tobias, welcome to the show. Would you be able to introduce yourself to us and the listeners, please? Thank you so much for having me here. Uh, my name is Tobias Lindholm. I'm the writer and director of The Investigation. I was educated a screenwriter from the Danish Film School in 2007 and have since written and directed several TV series and features. I live in Copenhagen and work from here. Brilliant. Thank you so much. So before we kick off and discuss the series itself, it might be helpful for any listeners who haven't yet seen the show or perhaps are unfamiliar with what the investigation is based on to learn a bit more. Tobias, would you be able to tell us in your own words what the story behind the investigation is? In the late summer of 2017, a a crime that caught the local press and later on the international press attention uh, occurred, Uh, a young female Swedish uh, journalist had sailed out in a home-built submarine together with one of the men who had built the submarine to do an interview. When the uh, submarine returned, the journalist had disappeared. And the story caught everybody's attention, mine as well. But quite soon after that, I realized that I didn't understand what I was supposed to do with this story. It became a very one-dimensional obsession with the darkness, with the crime itself. And much later, I met with Chief of Homicide Unit in Copenhagen Police, Jens Müller. I did this because I've been making movies about reality, or at least based on the logics of reality and based on the logics of certain professions uh, during my career. And the opportunity to meet the Chief of Homicide, I was, of course, uh, intrigued and wanted to pick his brains. Um, so we met for a cup of coffee. I had another case I knew he had worked on in, in sight. I thought that there was a, a form of terror, or at least the planning of a terror attack in Copenhagen that I would have talked to him about. But during this cup of coffee, Jens Müller told me some things about this submarine case. And the, the stories he told me were so different from the stories I read in the press back then. Back then, the press was obsessed and caught in this idea of solo focusing on the darkness. And the story Jens told me was very different. He told me a story about 
professionalism, about a society that worked, about democracy, about the Danish court system, about young divers that would day after day, month after month, spend hour after hour in the cold, dark waters of Øresund, the ocean surrounding Copenhagen. He would talk about a friendship and a very beautiful relationship with the with the victim's parents. A story that was so different that I got very interested in it. So on my bike home from that meeting, I decided that I would invite him for another cup of coffee to try to figure out why this story uh, was still uh, in my mind, why I couldn't uh, get rid of it. So we met again, and Jens would continue these stories that became more and more a proof of humanity, a proof of collective efforts, a proof of a commune that stands together, a proof of light in the darkness. And at that point, for me, a very necessary point that society and democracy can work. We live in a time where nations worldwide and where society is under pressure, where democracy is under pressure. And and in so many ways, this story in its basic elements was a story about a society that worked about anonymous professionals that were just doing their jobs and by doing that were helping complete strangers in the darkest hour. And that, for me, was an untold story. And it made me want to make a story about the heroes of the society that stood together and fought their way through this. This project, the TV show, and also this podcast is very special to me personally because Kim was a friend and colleague of mine. Kim and I met in New York in 2013, I think it was, and Kim was studying for her master's degree in journalism at Columbia University. And I'd just graduated from the same course the previous year and had stayed on in New York to do a fellowship. We met through an old roommate of mine who was working on a reporting trip with Kim. They went to Haiti together. And my time in New York was an extraordinary moment in my life. And it really marked the beginning of my career as a journalist. Um, But it was also a very transient time being part of that international student scene. People were always coming in and out of my life. And actually, I myself left New York only to end up coming back a year later. Throughout the time that I knew Kim, I never was quite sure where in the world she was. Her reporting trips took her to the Marshall Islands, to Cuba, India, all over America and many other places. The work she produced from those places is outstanding and very deservedly she racked up numerous awards for her reporting. Knowing Kim the way that I did, I got to see the behind the scenes of that work And the image that I have when I think of Kim is of her sat at my kitchen table working with her friend, my roommate, into the late hours. And they'd be poring over photos together, editing videos, restructuring story arcs to make sure that the work they'd captured really represented the true essence of the characters that they'd interviewed. Kim's superpower as a journalist was her ability to look beneath the surface and to show the humanity in people. And that's how I try to remember Kim as an ambitious, driven journalist who believed with her whole heart in the power of storytelling. So with all of that in mind, my first question that I'm sure many of the listeners will also want to know is um, what inspired you to create the investigation and why did you feel it was such an important story to tell and why in particular now? For me, the investigation is a relevant and important story to tell because it offers 
a confrontation with our behaviors uh, as media consumers. When I started to understand the story that Jens was telling me, I realized that the clickbaits that I was clicking on in the beginning of all of this had consequences for people. I realized that the story that was pretended to me in mass media was a story about a male killing a female. In that sentence, the female is always just a victim. And then there was a huge focus and fascination with the killer and his story. What Jens told me was a different story. It was never about the perpetrator. It was about the work of all the professionals. And it was about his personal relationship with Kim's parents. That story was untold, but by telling it, we can remind people about the nuances that are often forgotten. We can remind the audience about the qualities and the light that is often forgotten a narrow-angled uh, story in mass media. So if I had waited 10 years to tell this story, it would have, for me, become irrelevant because it would have been a comment on the world of yesterday. It would have been a romantic flashback to a world that didn't exist anymore. But by doing it already... And I understand that that choice is in some way radical. We are not used to reproduce recent events into drama, into fiction. But I knew that we needed to do that if the qualities of Jens' story should be there. Those qualities, that is a confrontation with the world of today. Who are we? How are we behaving? And what is it? What details are we missing? In this case, the details that... You could actually just forget about the perpetrator for a while and focus your stories and your understanding of your own world by focusing on professionals entirely doing their job without any selfish thought, missing time with their family, spending hours after hours on the ocean. And why is that story important? It is because it reminds us that there are more things that connects us as human beings that separates us. And that's partly the job of art and fiction. It is to once in a while remind us emotionally who we are as human beings in this world. Um, so that for me was the reason of the timing and the necessity for me to to sit down and write this story. You mentioned Kim's parents, Ingrid and Joachim, and you developed a very close relationship with them in order to create this series with their full support and also more importantly, their blessing. Can you tell us about that friendship that you developed with them and why this was so important to you? With uh, creating a story about recent events, of course, I needed the, uh, if not the support, then the acceptance of relatives. Without them, uh, it would have been impossible for me to do this story. So I would drive to Trallebo, the town in Sweden where they live, with Jens and visit. And we would sit in their garden and Jens would leave and take Iso, their dog, for a walk. And I would be there on the terrace with Ingrid and Joachim. It was the one of the hardest things I've ever done for five minutes. And then they made it one of the easiest things I've ever done. The strength of them, and luckily we'll meet them uh, uh, later on, they were very inspiring. And, you know, I wasn't there with a complete idea of a TV series. I didn't really know. I was still in the searching of the story in what Jens had told me. So I would just listen to their story. 
and understand the reality from their perspective. And they would confirm some of the uh, stories that Jens had already told me. But they would also tell me how important it was for them that the divers and the investigators and the scientists and the Swedish dogs, that they had done so much for them. They felt grateful and they felt a need to express that gratitude. So we ended up with an agreement that I would try to figure out what story that was in there. What I told them was, I think that there is a story in this where we don't need to focus on the perpetrator. We can even do it by just locking the door behind him, throwing away the key and never mention his name. Why? Because he's not relevant. If this is a story about the heroes, we don't need him. We just need to focus on all of the heroes and all the heroic work and all the inspiring proofs of love and affection that this story also contains. And we agreed that I could continue that thought process. At that time, I wasn't sure if this was a miniseries, if this was a, a feature, if this was a long-running thing. I really had no, no idea, but I would go home and try to outline it. And that first meeting proved to me that I was dealing with some very special people. Out of that, a friendship grew, luckily. When you meet them later, you will understand why it's not that difficult to become friends. They are some of the strongest and most loving people I've met. And the generosity that they showed me and the rest of the film crew was just uh, incredible. So, so out of this work, out of my interest in their life, our friendship grew and this story grew. It's important for me to say that I never intended to tell Kim's story. That would be impossible for me. I think that's up to Engel and Joachim and maybe you, Anna, and the rest of the people that knew Kim. I saw it as my job to tell the stories of the investigators, all the professional people solving this case, and then introducing glimpse of the life of the parents, the relatives, when their lives were relevant for the investigation. So imagine that every time they would cross the investigation, that was the moments I knew I was going for. Those were the moments I wanted to tell about. Luckily, Joachim insisted on being a very close part of the investigation. So I had many windows to choose from. Uh, but I never was arrogant enough to think that I could tell Kim's story or I even could tell Ingrid and Joachim's story. I could tell their story together with Jens. And, and that became the aim for me uh, um, in this. And then it just became, came work. They, they, both Ingrid and Joachim are journalists. They know storytelling. They know this game. They have been... Uh, confronting people with unpleasant stories before. So they know it from a certain angle and they, they can thereby protect themselves in this very strange job of telling this story. So very fast, it became a more or less a professional uh, connection that grew into a very, uh, a very tight friendship. I think that's a distinction that is really important to make, that this is obviously a story about Kim, but this is not Kim's story. And this is a show that focuses on all of the heroes around what happened and the people who actually brought justice to light. But this is not, this is not the telling of Kim Val. Can you just talk a bit more about that and why that is a really important distinction to make and why you didn't set out to tell a story that, you know, tries to reconstruct her life in some way, or that is kind of Kim's story. 
from what I know of Kim's story, I don't think that the ending is the most interesting part. So I imagine if you were to tell Kim's story, you would leave that part out. It seems irrelevant to the life of Kim. It's not irrelevant to the investigation. And that's the difference. I would say that it was important to me to make sure that we got details that reminded us that what in the press was presented as the victim was a real living person with a real life. And often in the genre of crime, we seem to forget that. In many stories that are told in fiction, victims are often a dead body that we can do with what we want as storytellers to drive the plot forward. In this case, there was a different responsibility connected, a responsibility to make sure that the details that were there was right, for two reasons. One is that I feel the responsibility of going out there and telling a story that should be close to the truth. I need to have details. But secondly, there were so many misunderstandings in mass media about this case. So we felt the responsibility to clear up some of those. So you will see in this series that we will confront a few of those assumptions that were out there in the press. We will confront some of the false rumors and some of the rumors that grew out of people's imagination. And we will try to clear that up. That's not telling the story of Kim's life. That's just protecting the memory of her. What ongoing role did Kim's parents have after that initial conversation you had with them? So you mentioned that they were open to a conversation about making a a series and that it was um, a development process on your part to work out what that that would look like. So what was your ongoing conversation with them following that? And how did that shape what has eventually become the TV show? So when I went home from from that first meeting, I went to my office and I would try to work with two different timelines. I would, on one timeline, work of all the details I got from Jens, the practical, the procedural details. How did this work? And then beneath that, I would make an emotional timeline. How did their friendship develop throughout the month that was covered by the other timeline? And slowly, beats and moments of that story would materialize so that I could see a connection between Jens going hunting and Ingrid going to the beach. I could see a connection between when Jens met Ingrid and Joachim for the first time and within the case when he met them the last time. I could start to do these outmeasuring of a storyline. And when I had done that, I could drive back to Tralebo and have another cup of coffee and talk to England Joachim Andians about this idea of a storyline. And slowly, step by step, we would get closer and closer to the concept of what became the investigation. From the beginning, I told them that I couldn't give them final cut of the show, that it was my responsibility. I was the writer and director, the creator of this, but I would allow them to interfere in every detail possible. I didn't do that to keep them out and make sure that this is my story. I did that to show them that I was serious 
and that I have an idea of where I'm going. And just to make sure that the that the roles we play are different. They didn't want it anyway different. It was not like they wanted to make this TV show. They were friendly and professionally helping me to make my TV show or my story about this. Basically, Engel and Joachim have read every word I've ever written on this project, every draft, every rewrite, every new scene. And we've had long and short conversations about it. They have watched every edit, every version of this. They have listened to every piece of music that was on it. And once in a while, they have had comments and ideas. And the interesting thing is that once in a while, they had comments as the experts on their own stories. But once in a while, they also just had comments as normal audience. So step by step, they would be part of it. And at a point when I was about to cast a dog that would act as their dog, Iso, Joachim called me and he sounded very serious. And then he said that he insisted on Iso playing Iso. They wanted their dog to be part of the TV show. And I remember I tried to get out of that because I was so scared that something would happen to Iso while we were shooting. I wouldn't expect it. But I was so afraid that we would do anything that would that, that would harm Iso. But Joachim insisted. And he also insisted that him and Ingrid would be the dog handlers. So they would drive Iso back and forward to set. They would be there while we were shooting with him and make sure that he was all right and he was doing okay. And what I had feared as an emotional burden uh, because of the responsibility we suddenly were carrying, it became very liberating, not just for me, but for the whole film crew. Because suddenly Ingle and Joachim that we were portraying were on set while we were shooting. So Penilla August and Rolf Laskov would walk down to the beach with the real ESO. And by my monitor, we would have the real Ingle and Joachim watching and being able to distance themselves from that situation. And that gave the film crew a relief. They suddenly felt very good about what they were doing. Without any doubt, they've all been nervous about telling this story. And they all, of course, felt liberated and better by the efforts of and the presence of Ingle and Joachim. So they've been increasing and growing a bigger and bigger part of the, of the series until uh, we did it. And, and now I consider them friends. And to be honest, I look forward for us to put this show behind us and then just continue a friendship because they have interesting stories to tell that I want to listen that we haven't had time to, to, to get by yet. I want to pick up on something that you mentioned earlier, which is that you never set out to do the show and to tell the story and that it came out of a conversation with Jens almost, it sounds as though almost by chance. Looking back on that, how do you feel about the fact that this story almost came to you and presented itself as one that had to be told and actually was rooted in a story that when the actual story itself broke, when Kim's disappearance was first made international news, it's a story that you yourself say that you actually shied away from or felt that you almost couldn't look at. So how has that journey for you changed and what's been the impact of it on you? After my first meeting with Ingel and Joachim on their terrace, I felt obligated to tell their story. It felt not as a burden, but as something I needed to do. It felt like Jens had told me a story that I didn't know, and Ingel and Joachim gave it depth so that it was a story that I just needed to tell. Um, some stories is easy to tell. It's not easy to sit down and write a TV show like Borgen, but it's imagination. So we play around with ideas, 
and we have fun while we do it. I would be lying if I told you that it was fun to do the investigation. I think it was interesting. It was at some point very sad, at some points very life-proving and full of energy. But it was never fun because it is the most serious story I have ever done. Had I known this amount of emotions that I would go through entering this story, I'm not sure that I had done it. But now on the other side of it, I am grateful that I did. And I guess that describes it the best. I have changed. I have now gray hair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I also have beautiful new friends. And I have more than ever understood what we can do with fiction. The thing is, I knew what TV show and what story I wanted to tell, so I was not nervous. But the world around me didn't understand that. Journalists, people with opinions, bloggers, all kinds of people in Denmark didn't understand what story we were telling. They just knew that we were doing a story about the submarine case, and they felt it too soon. And the pressure from that, of course, we needed to deal with especially to protect my actors and my film crew from that. For me, it was never a moral dilemma to do this show because I knew what kind of story I was telling. But of course, there was moral speculations among actors and the film crew about wanting to participate. And that that became my responsibility and was my responsibility to protect them from that and make sure that we were doing the right thing. And I've been carrying that around with me in my pocket for a couple of years and Um, And luckily I did, but it hasn't been fun. It's been interesting, uh, but not fun. You've mentioned a few times this need to tell the story. And I think anybody who is in the business of telling stories, I include myself in this, can identify with what that means. And it's something that knowing Kim and from the conversations I had with her, particularly about our work, that she also had a need to tell stories. Can you describe what that is like, where that comes from, and what it feels like when you find a story that you just feel compelled to tell to the world? It's one of those things that are so easy to understand and so hard to explain. That's why I've asked. (laughs) So the moment I knew that the investigation was something special was when I realized that I felt the burden of responsibility. My thoughts couldn't get away from that story, and I would constantly think about structure. How could we structure a story that could prove that emotion? And that's what's so hard about storytelling is that basically what you're trying to do is to put words on emotion. That's what writers do, and that's the struggle. It's not hard to sit down and write 100 pages. It's hard to sit down and write the right 100 pages. So I knew that I was taking a risk by telling this story because a lot of people would feel that it was too soon. But I also knew that it was necessary to tell it at this exact moment and to share this story about humanity that Jens and Ingrid and Joachim told me. I think that's a great note to end today's episode on. Thank you so much, Tobias. This has been a really great conversation. Of course, and thank you so much. You've been listening to Behind the Investigation with me, Anna Kodrarado. A big thanks to Tobias Lindholm for joining me. 
we're just scratching the surface of the true story behind this series. Next time, we'll be joined by the real-life lead investigator, Jens Müller, to hear how the police approached this so-called impossible case. How did they search a crime scene metres below the sea or handle the global media frenzy? Find out next time. Keep track of the investigation by watching this limited series on HBO and streaming on HBO Max.